Well, good morning, everybody. How are we? <laughs> Haley, did you like your personal welcome? Now we'll tell you your name out again. Totally. You hide in the foyer, actually. Yeah. Hey, are you all excited that uh, Mariners have their first spring training game today? Really? Wow, that's awesome. All right, here we go. Yeah, I'll, okay, I'll bring you up to speed. The over and over under for the Mariners this year is 72 and a half, which if they won, they won 81 and 81, that'd be 500, which is very mediocre. So 72 is, I'm taking the over. Okay, yes. <laughs> Shocker, I know, perpetual optimist. Well, you guys, welcome. It was a good, uh, good week, a little bit warmer weather. It's fantastic to have you guys here. I don't get to stand up here and speak to you today, but um, I'm Jen at the last minute said, well, you do announcements, probably because she knew she was going to lose her coffee. Uh, so this is working out good. I just got a couple things. First of all, um, I would want to encourage all of you to fill out your online communication card. If you remember back like a year ago, before the world changed, we actually had communication cards in your hands, in bulletins, and we would ask you guys to fill those out. And now we're asking you to do that online. Um, you can fill out prayer requests, you can ask questions, uh, you can give comments, you can, all of that. Um, but we, we have a team of people that pray for those prayer requests every week. And so if you have something you want the church praying for, please fill that out. And I just want to say welcome to all of you guys that are online, that are live streaming right now. Um, this is, this is, it's kind of an amazing thing that there's actually, you know, a few hundred of us engaged in this together right now, which is pretty cool. Um, the other thing is, if you are live in here, and you're one of those snobby people that have an iPhone 12, and you have 5G, it actually interferes with uh, the wireless mic that we have. We're ordering a new one, we're getting one that's compliant, and, and we'll get that all up to date. But for today, you have two options. One is turn off your cellular, so that we don't have cellular stuff coming in. The other one is turn your phone off completely. What? Ditch the phone? Spoken from a true Microsoft guy right there. <laughs> Ditch your iPhone. Um, but here's what will not work. It will not work to just put it on silent. If the signal's still coming in, it still interferes with what we're doing. So um, there's that. And Casey, Casey's going to bring it. I don't want anything interrupting this thing, <laughs> except for the Holy Spirit. And I'm yeah. curious to see how that's all going to break out in here. So um, let's see. I've got one more announcement, which is that we have more and more and more of you that are uh, trickling into like live church service for the first time. And for those of you that are online and you're not comfortable coming in person, that is totally fine. But for those of you that are, and you're out in the world and you're doing other things, why not come here? Why not celebrate and be a part of the church family and, and do this together? We have, we'll have all the room that we need. If we need to add another service, we will. Um, just sign up online. Just go to Brookview Church dot com and uh, just kind of follow the prompts there to sign up for live church it's it's pretty obvious there's a big splash screen that says sign up for live church so you can do it um, you'll be able to figure it out all right well let me pray and uh, Casey's going to make his way up and I'm excited I'm excited to sit in church and learn just learn it's going to be great father in heaven um, I thank you for this morning I thank you for the reality that that we're able to be together as a church family, whether it's in this room or it's online. And um, God, I pray that you would, you would move. I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, we come in here and we need to hear from you. Whether we realize it or not, we do. 
And so, God, I pray that you would, you would meet us all where we are. You would speak to us personally. You would help us to engage Scripture in a way that is accurate and that is meaningful and that is deeply personal for each of us. And I pray that we would, as we're in this space, not only like intellectually know that you're present with us, but I pray that you would help us feel it. And I pray that you would help us to walk out of here having encountered you, knowing that that's just the beginning of the encounter for today, that everywhere we go today, we will be encountering you. So God, would you move, would you speak, and would you help us listen? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm, re- I'm relying on the Holy Spirit, but just having him in the, in the building gives me a boost of confidence, you know. He wasn't here last week, so... Uh, Oh, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Well, last week we looked at an amazing encounter between Jesus and this man, this man who was paralyzed for 38 years. And he had tried everything he could to get healed at this pool, this miraculous pool. He, he, He could never be the first one into the pool. He tried and he tried and he tried without any luck for 38 years. And although he was trying... It wasn't his trying that ultimately healed him, it was his trust in Jesus that ultimately healed him. And um, he, he couldn't get to the water first, but Jesus, <clears throat> sorry about that, brought the water to him. And sometimes that's just how it is. Jesus brings the blessing, Jesus brings the healing. Um, and it doesn't require trust. It doesn't require trying, it requires trust. And this morning, I want to look at another one of his really well-known healings, And I want to see what else we can take away from this encounter. So Mark 5, 21, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, an important guy, he came up and he fell to Jesus' feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now I want to pause right here and focus for a moment on Jairus, even though he's not the focus of my message today, but he is in this account. And, and what I want to kind of point out is that certain situations will make your position irrelevant. Certain situations, it, 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 won't, it won't matter that people call you a CEO, like if there's no peace in your home. It won't matter that they call you uh, a CEO. Uh, like your, your life, just there's nothing about the title that can fix something that's happening on the inside, right? And so, and so he was in a low place. Even though he occupied a high position, it brought him to a low place. Now, synagogue rulers, they, they, they weren't just someone who stood and attended. They were someone who had authority, someone who had influence. And yet, he finds himself at the feet of this rabbi, this, this, this like renegade, radical teacher, healer, and he wants to know, hey, can, can you help me? Can you help heal my daughter? I have this issue. Now, I don't want to move too emotionally too quickly, but some of us have, our, our positions have completely been upended in this last year, and we have found ourselves in, in a place that we never thought we would be. And Jairus, that's where he finds himself, at the feet of Jesus. And he, just, just desperate. 
And, and I think that's not too um, uncommon and unfamiliar, uh, unfamiliar to find our, ourselves unless, you know, we're under the age of 12. It, it will happen. And, and Jairus' daughter happened to be 12. But, but he encounters something, and you will in this life if, if you live for a little while, that makes your position irrelevant. And he, he did not announce his title when he approached Jesus. He, he demonstrated his desperation by how he acted. And he fell at the feet of the only person he thought had the ability to fix his daughter. So Jesus, he, he, he comes, and this is the miracle. This is the miracle that Mark is kind of focusing on. But yet, something else kind of happens in the situation that, that pulls us away from, from Jairus. Um, but it, it, it's almost a miracle that he made it to Jesus. Because Jesus was so popular. It's a miracle that he even got there. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like it's a miracle that I'm here, right? Like, of all the places I've, I've found myself throughout life and, and all the, the different journeys, like, it's a miracle that I'm here. And, and I, I love that, though. I love that, that fact. Now, this is a miracle, like I said, that Mark highlights, and, and that's the kind of the focus. But then there's an interruption to the miracle, and that forms my main point of my message today. And, and why I want to point that out is I think sometimes the miracle happens in the middle of what we thought was the more important thing, right? Isn't that how it is? Like, you think this is a thing, and then boom, the miracle happens in the middle uh, of what you thought was the important thing. And Jairus is asking Jesus to come to his house, and on the way, he gets interrupted. And now the thing he gets interrupted by is the main point of what Mark writes about. Luke writes about it too, so does Matthew. And when Luke wrote about it, he wrote it differently because he's a, he's a doctor. If you know, Luke was a doctor. And so he gave it from the perspective of a, of a physician. But Mark classified the miracle more on the basis of action. And so last week, we had, we had Jesus kind of doing the action and the man just kind of receiving. And this week, we're kind of looking at a little bit more action in, in, in a miracle. And so the Bible says, a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, and a woman was there. Here we go. This is, this is who we want to talk about, this woman. And she had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She is identified by her issue. Doesn't it suck to be identified by your issue? And yet, what I think is even more difficult is that other people don't even know that you're bleeding. This woman, she was bleeding in a place that you couldn't see it. And for people, for, for no one to even know you're bleeding, that's a lonely place. That's a lonely feeling. Nobody, nobody sees what's dominating you and, and taking you out. And they only see what you show them. And, and your feed, oh, it's, it's the Instagram feed. It looks good. No one knows. They don't see where you're bleeding. And they couldn't see it. They couldn't see where she was bleeding, where she was hemorrhaging from. And, like, you know, if you walk up and you're, you have a bloody nose, like, I have a tissue for that. You know, if you walk up and your face is bloody, it's like, whoa, okay. Like, what's going on here? It's going to draw your attention. But, but to, if you're not, even no one can see it. It's like, okay. And so I, I just kind of feel it's necessary to ask the question, where are you bleeding where no one sees? Where are you hurting that nobody has really heard about yet? And even though you kind of generalize those places, and say, you know, hey, just, just pray for me. You know, I, I need a financial breakthrough. But really, the issue 
isn't that you need a financial breakthrough. The issue is that you don't even feel like a man anymore because you can't provide. If you can't provide for your family, then what, what good are you? You're bleeding, not financially. You're bleeding on the inside. Bleeding and no one even sees it. And, and even here, here, ready for this? Even Jesus didn't see the woman. But he sees everything, Casey. Not this time he didn't. The Bible says Jesus did not see the woman, but he felt her presence. And that's going to be important as we unpack this, this story. So it says, A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, and a woman was there who was subject to bleeding for 12 years, and she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. Isn't it crazy sometimes the things that we try to make us feel better are the things that make us worse in the end? Have you ever done something that you tried to make it better but it actually made it worse? Have you ever ate something because you wanted to feel better and it felt better for five minutes but about 3 a.m. rolls around and the devil sends you <laughs> screaming for the toilet and you're like, it felt good for a minute, right? <laughs> Been there. It's always Taco Bell. <laughs> now maybe, t- TMI, I know, that's not even in here, I just... And maybe you've been doing something to, to, to fix things and it's worked for, for a minute. The Bible doesn't say she never felt better. It says she never got better. She didn't get better. It may have felt better for a little while. And I wonder during this time in your life where, where, you're, where you're encountering, encountering trouble and, and, and trauma and, and secret bleeding, are you running to places where, and you're, you're spending energy and giving attention to things that promise to make it better but actually make it worse in the end? For instance, my grandfather did not grow up with the internet. He was so disadvantaged, right? <laughs> he couldn't just Google an answer, he had to actually talk to people. I have it so much better than he did, I'm so much better off. But sometimes I think what we think is better is based on a point of reference that doesn't really have grounding in reality. So let's just, let's just we're going to take a church vote here. Everyone who thinks that being able to constantly share and access every opinion that has ever existed in humankind in an instant, and, and, and now because of it, we have the ability to connect better with one another, say I. Crickets. Just because you have more ways of connecting, it doesn't mean that we are, right? And yet on the flip side, the only reason we've been able to do church during COVID is because of the technology I'm bashing. So it's, you know, it's both. Now Luke doesn't quite say it like Mark does. Um, Mark, he, he, so yeah, Luke's a doctor, you know, so he was like, hey, no one could fix her. Mark says every doctor she went to made it worse. So he seems to kind of imply that maybe they were taking advantage of her. Maybe they weren't quite so, so pure or clean in, the, in their motives. Mark seems to imply that the, that the founders of Facebook and, and Instagram aren't primarily interested in your inspiration. And, and, and the news isn't primarily, um, you know, interested in, in informing us, right? And so now I just want to ask a question. You watch the news all week long, and, and are you smarter or dumber 
on Friday? Just a question. Answer it how you will. But I just wonder, is it making it better? The places that we run to to feel better, is it making it better? That's just the question. Because before long, you start to identify yourself with the information that you receive. And in this woman's case, the doctors she had seen, the issue that had consumed her so totally that she was known by her issue. That was the information she was getting. I'm just, this is, I'm nothing but this issue. Now, what's interesting, what I think in this passage, is one person was identified by their significance, Jairus, and the other is identified by their issue, the woman. One has a position, but he also has a dying daughter, so now his position is upended by what he's dealing with, just like the woman. And I think it kind of evens the playing field a little bit. But this woman who's identified by her issue, that's why she's referenced throughout the Bible on that little chapter heading, the woman with the issue of blood. There was a time when she had a name. But 12 years is a really long time. And over that time, she lost her name and she was consumed by her issue. And after a while, you start to just think, well, I'm just an addict. I'm just a grumpy person. It's just in in my genetics, right? And what I love most about this whole story, I think, is that when Jesus meets this woman, although we don't learn it, she gets her name back. And she gets a whole new nature. And she becomes whole again. And it's so weird that we just call her the woman with the issue. And I think we do it to ourselves a lot, right? But it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous to do that. Because how often do you define yourself by your emotions? How often do you define yourself by your status? How often do you define yourself by your, your lowest achievements or, or your highest achievements? All of that is dangerous. All of that is so dangerous because when you start to believe that you are what you do or you are what you went through, it creates something on the inside. On the inside. The woman was bleeding on the inside. She was bleeding on the inside. There's a bleeding that takes place when you start to believe that your, your self-worth is, is what you do or what you've been through or what you've encountered, and it creates something on the inside. That's why it's so dangerous. And this woman needed something. She was so desperate. She needed something, and nobody could see her. No one saw her, including Jesus, who she needed a miracle from. So watch what she did. She self-activated. And that's what you did by showing up here today, whether in person or on the feed, on the stream. You, you didn't wait for God to encourage you. You said, no, I'm going to go into church. And I kind of talked about it last week, and, and I shocked the waters. I'm going to let God do what only he can do and, and remove those toxins and remove those disappointments and remove those, those, those wounds that I experienced. And as a deer pants for, for streams of water, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on a stream today, and I'm going to hydrate my hope. And this woman got in the flow of a miracle because she needed it. She needed it. I need it. I need God. I need Him. And now, I, I titled this message, The Makings of a Miracle, A, because I thought it was kind of clever, but B, we see this woman do a few different things 
as she um, encounters God and as, she, as it leads to her healing. And so I want to kind of go through those here. And so it says, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, when she heard, so that's the first thing she, she heard. But notice, she didn't get healed when she heard. The, the, you know, the word, the, the Bible can only do so much by hearing. And Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. But faith without works is dead. And so I kind of like how James puts it. In James 1.22, he says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself, but instead do what you said. This might be, you know, be kind of a punch to the face, but you will not get better by taking good notes. You, you can go to every, hey, you keep taking those notes though, girl. You keep taking those notes. Because there's, there's more to it, see? You, you, <laughs> she sinks down. That doesn't mean don't take notes. So I'm just making a point here. You have to do more than that. I'm going to get to that later. Oh, man. See, that's, I'm front row. I love it. But you, you can go to every single Bible study and actually get worse and think that you're just kind of satisfying your intellectual quest for God. But this woman did not get healed because she heard. That was the first thing. That was the first step. Now, I think it's important, of course, that we put ourselves in the path of God's Word. That's why it's so important and so cool that we're, we're putting in, um, you know, habits like soaping and like Lectio Divina or, or Danny DeVito, whichever one, I've heard it both ways now, but to, to put yourself in the path of of the promises of God and, and, and the, the words of truth and life and grace. Like, that's so important. But yet, she didn't get healed when she heard. She heard about Jesus. She heard about him. And then it says, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. So what do we have so far? She heard, she came, she touched. She heard, she came, and she touched. And, and maybe instead of waiting for a touch from God, you just got to make up that decision in your mind and just go. I'm going to touch God myself, and I'm going to praise Him myself. I'm going to choose to be grateful. Gratitude is a strategy, right? I, no, I, I need God, so I'm going to get grateful for a little bit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to be grateful. She heard, she came, she touched, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, verse 29, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So many questions I have in this text. So many questions. Um, how did Jesus not see her? Right? Like, that's, that's one question. Um, who did she think she was to sneak up on the Savior of, of the world while he was on his way to the deathbed of a, of a dying girl? Another question, why didn't Jairus grab her by the throat and throw her out of the way? Like, and that might seem harsh, but put yourself in his shoes. Jesus is on his way to save his little girl. I would put you in a figure four leg lock and get Jesus to my daughter if I was in his shoes, right? But one question I want to ask, and maybe I'll ask Tony because he's my brother and he won't mind me putting him on the spot. What stopped the bleeding? 
And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm sure, is it Jesus? It's like, and he's probably like, I think it's Jesus, but this seems like a trick question. It is, it is a trick question, a little bit. Um, thank you, you're a good sport. <laughs> yeah, you did great. For years when I read this text, I thought that when she touched Jesus, that was like the action that signified faith that, that caused the flow of her bleeding to stop. And the Bible says immediately when she made a connection, and I, I kind of think of it like a phone hooking up to Wi-Fi, like a connection was made. And, and when she, she accessed the power by touching his cloak, but, but why did the bleeding stop? And I guess you can say it's when she made a connection with Jesus, but there's another connection I've never made before. I always thought the healing started when she touched his cloak, but then I read verse 28, and I found out that the bleeding stopped because she thought. She heard, she came, she thought, she touched, and it stopped. It stopped with a thought. It stopped with a thought. And, man, I read that and I was like, you can stop it with a thought. What? I am not my issue. I am not. You are not your issue. She was not her issue. And you can stop it right now with a thought. Now, the thought is not what healed her. It's when, he, it's when she touched him, but she only touched him because she thought. And that's where it is. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, when I think about him and, and how he saved me, and how he rescued me, and how he healed me, and how, how he, he chased after me, and you can stop it with a thought. And how I kind of see this scene is almost like a split screen, like you have what the people thought about her in this whole interaction, but then you have what she thought. And she thought, if I just touch him, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Once you get over the fact that their opinions aren't like, they're not a limitation. It's just their suggestion. It's just what they think. And you don't have to believe every thought that you have because she thought. And just like her bleeding started on the inside, so did her healing. And I think that's what's so cool about this, because she thought. And she probably had a thousand thoughts in that moment, because she thought. But there were so many thoughts, but the only, the one that she acted on is the only one that mattered in that moment, the only one she acted on. The thought that you hold determines where you go. Because I bet she also thought, let's talk about what she also thought. For 12 years, I have been sick. I have been to every doctor. I have been kicked out of every insurance policy. Nobody wants to be with me. 12 years is long enough to completely give up hope, just like the man from last week. Completely give up hope. She probably thought, what's the point? What's the point? I've tried this before. I guarantee she had that thought. Hey, there's this guy, Jesus, he's a healer. Yeah, so whatever. I guarantee she had that thought as well. But she had another thought, and that's one that mattered. And I think it's important to point out some of our thoughts, we won't always have those mountaintop amazing, I love God, I'm so happy, I'm so blessed. Like, if I'm completely honest, there are moments and days where doubt sets in and anxiety and fear, and, and to be honest, is this even real? Those days are real. Those thoughts come and go. But the one 
that you hold on to is the one that matters. No, 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 I know he's real. I've experienced him. I've encountered it. I know it to be true. And you can stop all the noise with a thought. All the other thoughts can be silenced with the right thought. How many times have I limited what I could have received because of what I thought I was? Because she thought, she touched, and because she touched, the bleeding stopped. But you know what's really crazy? We think the miracle is the important part, but we really see the heart of God in this passage. The miracle, you're like, oh, wow, no, no, just wait. Because he was, he was on the way to Jairus' daughter, the man who was more important, but then in verse 30, he stops. He stops. So she thought, she touched, and then Jesus said, I felt that. I felt that. And it says, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And so now, she heard, she came, she thought, she touched, and then she felt. Feelings follow thoughts. And Jesus stops in verse 30 and goes, wow, I felt that. She's like, I did too. And I just think it's relevant to point out that thoughts follow feelings, and it can also go in the opposite direction. On those days when you're in a bad mood, and you're like, whoa, what has happened? It feels like the weather changed inside of me, and I don't know what's going on. And I think it's important sometimes to do some, some, some thought tracing. Because you thought, you acted, and then you felt. And, and that might mean, by doing some thought tracing, that you, you realize when I, when I hang out with this person, or when I did this activity, it means trouble for me. And, and so, I, I don't know, I'm just saying, I think that's relevant, that it also works in the other direction, and that I think thought tracing sometimes is important. So, Jesus feels that power has gone out from him, and he stops everything, and he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And, and his disciples, their response, it doesn't say it's Peter, but I bet it was, it says, you, you see the people crowding against you, and yet you can ask who touched me? And, and we saw this last week. Jesus, he healed the man at the pool, and they were on their way to an important feast. Like, they were busy. They were already doing something, and yet Jesus stops. And here, too, we see that. He, they're on their way to this important man's house, this man with authority to, 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 to heal his daughter, and, and he has a high position, and yet Jesus has time to stop for one person. And it says that Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman who, who has only ever thought of herself as a nuisance or as an inconvenience, she thought that she was in trouble in this moment. How do we know that? It says that when she came back, she fell at Jesus' feet trembling with fear, trembling with fear. She thought that she was in trouble, but she knew what had happened to her, and so she wanted to tell the truth. And so she heard she came, she thought, she touched, she felt, and then she told. And I don't mean this in any stereotypical way, but the fact that she was a woman makes me think that she didn't give Jesus like the quick plot summary of the situation. My wife doesn't give me the, the, the quick summary or the, the cliff note. She gives me the whole truth. 
and then uh, uh, the light turned red, and then I had to wait for five minutes, and then I got to work a little late, like the whole story. And, <laughs> sorry, babe, throw you under the bus on that one. I think I went too far. Oh, I lost my spot. Sorry, guys. But he, she told Jesus what it had been like to bleed on the inside, what it had been like to, to once have resources and to, to give all those resources away, and instead of getting better, I got worse, and, and, and I, I know I wasn't supposed to stop you, and, and I know that I kind of caused a big commotion, and I know that you're on your way to, to this important man's uh, daughter to heal her, and, and I wonder why Jesus stopped. Why did he stop? To ask who did it. Because when I read his response after she told him the whole truth, it says in verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from, from your suffering. But she was already freed from her suffering. Because in verse 29, it says, when she touched him, immediately her, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. She already was free. She already knew she was free. So why did he call her back? Not to reprimand her, maybe to give her some more advice or some more resources. So I kept reading that over and over, and I was like, okay. So do you remember how she, she snuck up, and she thought, if I just touch his clothes, if I just touch the, the hem, the very tip of his cloak, the, the, the dirty part, the part that rubs through the streets, through, through feces and, and urine, that, that's all she thought she was. That's all she thought she was worthy to touch. And then she snuck away like a thief who stole something she didn't deserve. And he said, who, who did that? Bring them back. But then he told her what she already knew. Why did, why did he call her back just to tell her what she, what she already knew? And then I realized something. I looked at verse 34. It's not what he told her. It's what he called her. It's what he called her. He didn't call her a woman with the issue of blood. We call her that. He didn't. There are many times where Jesus touches other people and they get healed. There are few when they touch him and get healed there's one time in the entire Bible that Jesus calls someone daughter, and it's right now. This is the only time he uses that term. Why did he stop? Why did he stop on his way to heal Jairus' daughter? Because there was another daughter who forgot that she was a daughter. She forgot. So I'm not going to let you sneak away like a beggar. If I let you sneak away right now, you will live the rest of your life thinking a lie about yourself that you're not worthy, a lie that isn't true. What would you do if you knew that it was true that you were Jesus' daughter, his son? If you knew that all-powerful God had committed his resources to you like he was your children, how you treat your children, what if you knew that? Sure. What could possibly like, knock you off your balance? What, could, what, what opinion of someone else could possibly get in the way of that? I'm not what I went through. I'm not what I suffered. 
I'm not what I lost. Jesus said, no, no, get her back here. I know, I know, I know we're on our way to Jairus' daughter, but, but, but she's a daughter too. I know none of you see her, but that's my daughter. That's my daughter. And this morning, I need you guys to know, this isn't, this isn't me trying to just come up here and encourage you this morning. This isn't like, oh, I hope they liked that one. No, no, I need you to know. Like, the miracle is great. The miracle is great. But here's the real miracle. You don't have to touch the dirty part, the limited part, the part that's been dragged through the mud and the feces. Man, I have been crucified with him. And if I can touch him, I can have what he has because I'm a daughter or I'm a son. He called her back so she would know, so that she would know, you're not leaving like a thief. You're not leaving like a beggar. You're leaving like a daughter. Don't you crawl out of here thinking you're going to get caught, that you're going to get in trouble. Man. He just brought her back to tell her the truth. <laughs> you're my daughter. And just like the old man last week, he didn't just want to heal his body, he wanted to heal his will, to like want life again. And I think we see that here, like with the woman, he wasn't just healing the blood, he was healing the shame and all the doubt and all the dirt. So she thought, she touched, she felt, she told, and then she knew. The one who the disciples didn't even think was worthy enough to go and like find and get back is the only person in the Bible who he called daughter. And you belong to him. You belong to him. And I just want to say, be, be, trouble when, be careful when you're troubleshooting the issues of your soul not to go to the wrong doctor that will make the issue worse, not better. I'm pretty good at troubleshooting things, but there are some things like with my phone. When I know I can't troubleshoot this, I take it back to Apple. There are some things that can only be diagnosed by the manufacturer, right? Some things need to be taken back to the manufacturer. And so I want to invite the band back up because in this time of worship, Whatever you might be facing, whatever bleeding might be occurring on the inside, maybe you've been bleeding for a while and, and nobody knows and you've been trying to troubleshoot and you've been going to this and to that and it hasn't gotten better and maybe it's even gotten worse and I just want to encourage you in this moment to take it to the manufacturer in this moment, the one who made you. Jesus stopped to make sure this woman knew that he saw her. That she was a daughter. And I've been where she was. I've come to church and trying to get a touch from God and I wanted to sneak away and leave like I stole something and like I didn't deserve it. I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't worthy of it because of my shame. But Jesus said, no, 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 that's a lie. That's a lie and I need you to know 
that that's a lie. You are my son. You are my daughter. And truth be told, whatever position we hold on earth, that's the highest position we can hold, is son and daughter. And I'm just excited for this moment of worship. I think worship does something so powerful on the inside, and we can connect, and we can just have that access to, to God. And so in this moment, just let the manufacturer do what only he can do. You've tried, and you've tried, and you've tried, and it's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. Well, let's bring it to the manufacturer.